0: This is Kick-Ass News. I'm Ben Mathis. Hey folks, Ben here, and I have a big announcement. This is officially the 200th episode of Kick-Ass News. And I just want to take a moment to thank you for listening to the podcast, and a special thanks to all of you who've commented on our Facebook page, tweeted us, shared Kick-Ass News with friends, and emailed me your thoughts, suggestions, and words of encouragement. I especially want to thank those of you who've supported the show at GoFundMe.com slash News. I really do appreciate everything you guys have done to make this possible, and I hope you'll celebrate our 200th by sharing Kick-Ass News on your social media or just telling a friend about the show or any way you choose to acknowledge this little milestone. I couldn't have done it without you, and now I hope you enjoy the 200th episode of Kick-Ass News. Hi, I'm Ben Mathis and welcome to Kick-Ass News. As I mentioned before the podcast, this is officially episode number 200 of Kick-Ass News. I have to admit, as much as I love hearing myself talk, I doubt that I ever thought I had close to 200 hours in me. But hey, here we are. What started as a hobby has become something of a labor of love for me, and I'm glad to have you along for the ride. A lot has happened since I started this little show over two and a half years ago. Kickass News now generally ranks among the top five podcasts in the iTunes News and Politics category and in the top 20 podcasts on iTunes overall. You may also recall that we changed the name from Kick-Ass Politics to Kick-Ass News well over a year ago in an effort to broaden the scope of the show beyond just politics. And I appreciate those of you who stuck with us through that transition, and I want to thank you for allowing me to indulge my interests, and hopefully your interests as well, in subjects and people doing big things not just in politics and world affairs, but also in science, business, tech, and even entertainment. You see, for me, the best part about doing this podcast twice a week is that it affords me the opportunity to have a real conversation and pick the brains of the people I admire, some perhaps even since childhood. People who are leaders in their field, people who are pushing the envelope and seeing around corners, some people who make me look back and take in the big picture, and occasionally people I don't admire or even agree with but are nonetheless relevant. One such person is a particular guest I've been trying to get on the show for two years now. Initially, we had him scheduled for an in-person interview during one of his trips to Los Angeles, but that fell apart, and then we rescheduled it as a phone interview a few times, went back and forth, got many promises from his publicist, had a few near misses, but for whatever reason, it never happened. It's possible that he's aware that I'm not exactly a fan of his. I certainly haven't made a secret of it. In fact, I've publicly called him revolting, incompetent, dangerous, a narcissist, a threat to democracy, and certifiably insane. Yet, as much as he is my bête noir, he's also my white whale. If you haven't guessed yet, I'm of course talking about President Donald J. Trump. So we reached out to the White House to invite the president on the show as my special guest for this milestone 200th episode. He said no. Actually, he didn't respond. Didn't even bother to call me a loser. So what did we do? We got the next best thing. Anthony Atamanik, the creator and star of The President Show on Comedy Central the popular late-night show which he hosts in character as President Donald Trump, direct from the Oval Office. The show, which began airing in April, has become a bona fide hit for Comedy Central, prompting the network to extend its season into this fall and making a Taminik the best and most popular Trump impersonator in America. For Anthony Atamanik, it all began two years ago when Atamanik performed as Trump in his show called Trump Dump at the Upright Citizens Brigade in New York. But as the real Trump gained momentum in the Republican primary and his public comments grew increasingly weirder and more disturbing, what was supposed to be a one-night stand turned into an extended run at the UCB Theater, with Atamanik giving his own up-to-the-minute take on Trump's latest tweets, gaffes, and insults, along with a more penetrating exploration of the dark, twisted soul of the man himself. It was then followed up by the Trump vs. Bernie debate tour, in which Etamnick's Trump debated his friend and fellow comedian James Adomian as Bernie Sanders. The debate was even turned into a television special for Fusion TV. But all along, Etamnick was hoping that Trump would be doomed to irrelevance after the 2016 election, and he would finally be free of his long red tie and his $40 blonde wig. As fate would have it, the American public voted to double down on crazy, giving a Tamanic an opportunity for satire that was just too good to pass up. And when Comedy Central came knocking, the President show was born. Today, the host of the President Show joins me to talk about what initially drew him to Donald Trump and just what goes into a dead on impersonation of the President of the United States. He shares his mixed feelings about having his own fortunes tied to those of a man he considers dangerously reckless and incompetent, what aspects of Trump remind him of the guys he grew up with in Massachusetts, and how, on some level, he even relates to the man in the Oval Office. He discusses delving into the psyche of Donald Trump and why he says the Donald is a lot more like a lonely old dowager than the macho man he pretends to be. He reveals what it was like to attend a Trump rally dressed as the man himself, dishes about his online feud with fellow Trump impersonator Alec Baldwin, and then at the end of the podcast, Anthony Atamanik will step aside and allow President Trump to finally answer a few of my questions about Vladimir Putin, his marriage to Melania, and being the most powerful man in the world. Coming up with the host of The President Show, Anthony Atamanik, in just a moment. Today, I'm joined by Anthony Atamanik, who's arguably the most famous Trump impersonator in America and the host of The President Show, which airs on Comedy Central Thursday nights. Anthony, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank
1: you for having me on.
0: Well, on The President Show, for anyone who's never watched it, you host a Johnny Carson style late night show in character as Donald Trump, right from the Oval Office, with all the elements of that genre that come with it, like the guest couch, the monologue, the desk pieces, you even have Mike Pence as your Ed McMahon. It's hard to imagine anyone having done this with Barack Obama or (laughs) any of his predecessors in the White House and people actually wanting to watch and thinking that it's very entertaining. Of course. Is is this a sign of the times and of the guy himself, maybe, that you're even able to make a hit out of an idea like this?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think... um, I think... That he was uniquely positioned to be made fun of in this way. I mean, Ronald Reagan, I think people forget that Ronald Reagan was enormous fodder in the 1980s, um, and although uh, there wasn't a show where he was hosting it or whatever, but like not necessarily the news on HBO, was sort of born out of the Reagan right. era. Spitting Image was born out of the Reagan oh, yeah. era. Um, so. so I think that when you have an interesting character as president, it will manifest in different ways. And of course, Von Meter was successful um, with his uh, dinner with the Kennedy, you know, the, with the white house or I forget the name of the album where he did uh, the John F Kennedy Kennedy having dinner. And so (laughs) there, you know, I think that the, 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 Idea of the president being portrayed um, in a comedic fashion and especially in sort of like in their element is not new. I think that Trump was uh, perfectly suited for this style because Trump himself is, you know, he is a sort of gauzy 70s um, uh you know, like you said, Carson show, or appearing on Mike Douglas, or that sort of like velour, mustard-colored uh, curtains. That that world. That's
0: Trump. right? He is a throwback to he like the a Mad Men era and yeah. Sinatra kind of. Yeah, wanna be Sinatra. You know, really. I would say he
1: yeah. thinks he's a throwback to the Mad Men Sinatra yeah. era, but what he's really a throwback is to the Flip Wilson era. Oh, he's not yeah. that. He's the Sonny and Cher era. Mm-hmm. He's the <laughs> He's the era right after that era, yeah. And so, to me, yes, this show uh, was conceived sort of out of uh, the perspective of what would he do if he did a fireside chat, <laughs> right? And I mean, I initially there was a lot of ideas of having like dancers and like sort of it be the the yeah. closest pitch. If you remember
0: the movie Casino. Yeah, I was just going to say the Atlantic City version of Donald Trump. Yes, and it's
1: also that um, moment when De Niro gets kicked out and he has to run his own talk show and he (laughs) does this late night show from the casino. Yeah, That's the idea for the show. (laughs)
0: Well, when you began honing your Trump impression about a year ago in these one-man shows you did at the UCB Theater, what was it that initially got your attention about Trump and made you want to do this character?
1: Oh, I mean, I, it wasn't really, uh, there was no sort of moment of decision. I think that, you know, I had done a lot of character based shows at UCB for years and, uh, was used to putting together a show in five, six days, two days. So, you know, how it worked, or how I worked at the UCB was very much like, let's take this idea, make it a show, run with it for a few weeks, see if it works, dump it. If it doesn't do another idea. And when I improvised him and we put the show together, it just, it had momentum. And then when I part with James partnered with James Adomian and James is so oh, talented and yeah, such a uh, funny guy. And, and who, also, who did Bernie Sanders, he did right? Bernie Sanders. You guys had a tour as yeah. a, a debate between Trump, Trump versus and Sanders, Bernie, right? <laughs> that was the, you know, that's the germ of, of, what this all yielded. And of course, you know, James appeared on the show as Bernie and will appear a lot uh, more, hopefully in the future, once our schedules align in the fall. And uh, I don't think there was ever a moment of thinking like, I'm going to do this as much as there was a thing of like, okay, well, I guess I'm doing this more. I guess I'm doing this more, I guess I'm doing this more. That was it. Yeah.
0: I mean, I'm sure that you didn't imagine that you were gonna be doing Trump after the election, much less a year later. I had hoped, um,
1: I had hoped, but I'll tell you in the closing weeks, I, uh, I I had a very sort of bifurcated mind. A part of me that was deeply hoping that he would lose, and then I think a more aware part that knew he was gonna win. And I remember the last live Trump dump that I did, it was very dark, very sort yeah. of like, and I was angry, and I realized, now I realized I was angry because I knew I was going to keep doing it. <laughs>
0: <So>. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, do you find yourself walking a thin line between doing a spoof of Donald Trump and possibly making him too lovable or too goofy? Because you're kind of rooting against the guy, and yet you're rooting for yourself as the guy. I think I I root
1: for um I root for the thing that we've discovered. Mm-hmm. How's that? I root <laughs> I root for like what we've discovered about how we assess him. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I have a I don't have a a I don't think I'm like attached to it like uh oh god, if he doesn't, you know, if he gets impeached, what am I going to do now my now my all of my core convictions are abandoned because I just want to <laughs> make money, or have this show. Like I, I, I also am like not. I'm not really an impersonator. I mean, I do characters and stuff. I'm kind of a comic actor and I've been, I'm 43. Like I'm not 20, I'm not 23. So like, I also am not in a mindset of like, this is it. And I, what am I going to do? I think I more so am like, this is what I'm doing and I'll do something else afterwards. And either, you know, like this show, Hopefully millions of people will see it, or uh, fifty people will see it in the basement of a theater. I'll be content <laughs> either way because I'm creating things, so that's what matters to me.
0: I, I'm. Hold on, yeah. Hi, we're taping. Yeah. Well. Okay. Are you in ABC? Uh, no. Kick we have the room till four forty-five. I think. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh huh. All okay. right. <laughs> we. Okay. Didn't read the sign. Yes. <laughs> Wherever we were. That there. was a great a version bit.
1: of aggression for no reason yeah when you're the person who's in the wrong yeah <laughs> that that was what i just witnessed There's a person who is in the wrong being like i can't be in the wrong so i have to just tell you that you're embarrassing yourself yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah we just had someone who for the <laughs> listeners we just had someone walk into the press room and make a bunch of noise and then act like we weren't supposed yeah. to be here or something And I feel like that's a weirdly Trump move, isn't it? Uh, Well, is it a weirdly Trump move, or (laughs) is it
1: actually just a very human move? And Trump is actually, ironically, a very human president. Whereas what you realize, I think, about presidencies, at least I'm learning from him becoming president, is there is actually all there's been this whole thing for so many decades, right? Where it's like, can't the president be more cool? Can't the president be more (laughs) fun? Hey, you know, the bank's more fun. Chase Manhattan's a fun (laughs) bank, right? Everything has become about like breaking down the systems, right? Mm -hmm. And breaking down the norms because the norms are so uptight, right? So now we spent what? 20 years, this, sort of marketing campaign to break the norms down. And now we broke them all down. And what do we have? We have no ability to understand or respect each other. We have very little ability to relate to each other in a way that isn't primarily hostile. And we've elected a person who clearly does not have the intellect, dignity or ability to be the president. And so what you learn is, Oh, that sort of performed version of a person, that political thing is actually a necessary evil in terms of the high offices of government that require people to have a certain level of dignity that lives yeah. above the common human behavior. And that's what yeah. you just saw, this fucking prick.
0: <laughs> but the thing that bugs me is that the media seems to be bending over backwards to normalize Trump's behavior now that he's president. Oh, yeah. In some ways is your show a reaction to that? And perhaps trying to remind people that this guy is completely batshit crazy and completely outside of the norm of what a president's supposed to be.
1: Yes. And I think that he's not just, it's not even that he's crazy. It's that he's like self-loathing, lacking Mm -hmm. in love and, and older. So he's set in his, his mental ways. (laughs) He's involved. He's, he buys his own brand. He buys into his own bull. He's been lying and, Charming and cheating for so long that he believes that this is the only way he can function. And I think that the press is, you know, I think about my show as a bargain with the devil. And like, I have to make sure to be responsible every week to really walk the line of the show of like sort of maintaining a, um, maintaining a, uh, 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 an, uh not an assault, but a, a, a sort of, what do you call it a a deconstruction of of trump's id his soul his policies himself that i would say that um the uh the 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 media is profiteering and then pretending that they didn't do it they're very pearl clutchy you mm-hmm. know they they they, sp- they spent 3.4 billion dollars in basically ad revenue putting them on the air right they put them on all their 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 pay their web pages they pushed him on all their social media and then he got elected and they all kind of laughed at the idiocy of it. And, and then they got their news story, which was the danger of Trump and uh, the danger of what he could be, which is true. He is dangerous, but they g- ginned it up even more. And then they mm-hmm. gin up the Russia thing even more. And I actually, in a weird way, and I am not in any way a supporter or whatever, I actually agree with them that the Russia story is nothing until it's something. Yeah. And it is something, but the media is doing everything it can to actually water down the ability to make a real argument about mm-hmm. it by covering it so much and by speciously covering it. So yes. I think that the the fourth estate's behavior has been so recklessly irresponsible, immature and adolescent, right, uh, quite frankly in 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 alignment with our president.
0: Sometimes you tend to go pretty dark and deep into the Trump id. You know, there's one episode that I'm thinking of in particular, the Mother's Day episode, where you actually have Trump as Norman Bates talking to this disembodied voice of his disapproving dead mom. (laughs) It seems like you're getting in his head. So what is your best guess as to what actually drives this guy?
1: (laughs) Uh, I think what drives him is um, a sense of appreciation and attention. Mm -hmm. And I think that he, I guess is I think he likes experiencing things. I think he, I think he likes to a certain degree. You say that
0: about a child though.
1: Yes. But yeah, but I'm saying like, I think like there's that very telling moment in that interview when his granddaughter comes in to speak Chinese, that audio. And in that moment, I don't think you see this is, I don't think he has the calculus to be. Performing himself I really mm-hmm. don't. I don't I I think he performs himself In a way that's unconscious I don't think it's a very Conscious performance Interesting um, I think he is in love With his performance Like if he's giving a speech And he likes how he sounds He'll like get into doing it But yeah. there's nothing Calculated with him Because everything he does Is of the moment The only calculation He's making is in the moment And so I think he has This very natural real moment With his granddaughter Where he's very proud That she could say something In Chinese And I um, and, I, I don't think it's wrong to see him as a human being and to see that like all things, you know, all people, the complexities of who he is are as deep and real as any one of us. And I don't think that takes away from him or takes away from the argument against him or anything. I actually think if anything, it it reminds all of us to, to both – uh uh, figure out what our problems are with our president or who he is or the system that put him in place or the media system that elevated him or the republican party that sold itself out to have him as the candidate or the democratic party that sold working people down the river for how many decades and garnered a black vote without doing anything for civil rights besides marginal slipping away of 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 funded programs that help the african-american community like let's look at all that this is just one guy and this one guy is flawed and weird and kooky <laughs> and also a person yeah. and i've done some weird shit in my life <laughs> everybody has and so this and and that's not me um equivocating with him that's like i think performing him you have to have a relationship with the mm-hmm. person and and so i so i would say like you know, there's a story that uh, uh, someone was telling on the panel today at Politicon and about, you know, him him seeing these kids studying and he cleared an area of Trump Tower. You know, there's all these like Trump stories, you know, these sort of... <laughs> and so I, I said to him, I said, you know, that is a great story. And how's this? I bet he did it. And I yeah. bet he did a really nice thing for these people. Mm-hmm. But the thing you need to get about him is he did it not for them. He did it because in that moment in his narrative, he went, I can be this great guy mm-hmm. and do this and then they'll love me and yeah. Everyone will see and know that I did that. And,
0: yeah, and, and it has to be his decision every time.
1: Exactly. But there's no consistency. He does not derive yeah. out of that, oh, I should come up with some sort of voucher program for people trying to get into community colleges or whatever, right? He doesn't then conceive of a policy. And this is where all the Trumpers are so bizarre to me. This desire they have to pretend he is the great leader. He And here's yeah. the thing. He's almost not even doing that. They do it for him. Yeah. This bizarre, almost... Kim jong un Stalinesque <laughs> sort of like great leader. Look what great leader does and the great stories of great leader. We should be very worried about yeah. the apparatus doing that. Again, Absolutely. not him, the apparatus. And this is my big problem is the focus on Trump. Mm-hmm. And our show does the same thing. We always take time to talk about the apparatus that put him in place and the way that we all participate in making him or making these things exist. It's not just about him.
0: We're going to take a quick break, and then I'll be back with more with Anthony Atamanik when we come back in just a moment. Kick-Ass News is brought to you by Michael Moore's world premiere Broadway show, The Terms of My Surrender. The Oscar-winning filmmaker behind Bowling for Columbine and Fahrenheit 9-11 invites you on a whirlwind tour through the depraved new world we've found ourselves in since Election Day 2016. Directed by Tony Award winner Michael Mayer, The Terms of My Surrender is a hysterical, heartfelt, and subversive piece of theater that'll help make sense of how the hell we got here and how we can get out. Featuring razor-sharp political insights, up-to-the-minute translations of each day's fresh insanity, and any number of nightly surprises, this outrageous live event is as unpredictable as our current Commander-in-Chief. Everyone's welcome, Democrats, Republicans, Canadians, and anyone else who believes in free expression for all. So don't miss this once-in-a-lifetime experience with one of American politics' most incisive and hilarious voices. After all, who better to answer the burning questions of the Trumpian era than the man who saw it all coming and tried to warn us? Michael Moore's The Terms of My Surrender, on Broadway for a strictly limited engagement. Visit michaelmooreonbroadway.com for more info. And now, back to the show. I read somewhere that you actually went to a Trump rally or two. What Uh, did you see there? I went to Manchester. Uh,
1: You know, I mean, it was very similar to the Bernie rally in the sense that there were a lot of... Well, there was a lot of people and a lot of passion. So, I mean, I'm not trying to make some weird comparison. I'm just saying that I went to a Bernie rally and I went to a Trump rally. So what were similar? Um, There were about the same mix of young people and old people. Mm -hmm. There were about the same amount of passion... Um and uh, there were also two men in their 70s speaking. So those are the three similarities. <laughs> then it departs radically. The Trump one, it's like uh, people with angry faces cheering, which was very yeah. interesting to me. And I was in New Hampshire, so you know I'm from New England, and right. looking at a lot of those You're faces. You're from Massachusetts, right? I'm from Massachusetts. Yeah. And, and looking at a lot of those faces, I went... I know these faces. I mm-hmm. grew up in town, a town with these faces, and yeah, it, it was a again. A hard, it's a hard thing because you look at those people and you go, "Those people are hurting, man. They're hurting," and they like they buy him, mm-hmm. you know, and and yet when they all are together like that, it's so angry and it's allowing people to have catharsis that's inappropriate. And I think the huh. most dangerous thing was how he legitimized. Irrational anger. He normalized hmm. irrational anger. It's acceptable now. And it's acceptable yeah. to have fits and to lecture and scream. Mm-hmm. And, and um, I think that was that was the most interesting thing about it. And then I thought the other interesting thing was I was dressed as Trump. And um, I was standing there just for a little bit <laughs> at the edge of the press thing. And I was mirroring him and lip syncing <laughs> to what he was saying. You know, we were trying to get stuff for our, our show at the time. And all the press pool turned, all the cameras turned away from Trump and turned to me. Oh, yeah. And what I thought was so interesting was, yeah, I'm sure they thought maybe I was going to like, you know, do something crazy or whatever. But I remember being like, wow, the power of just his image Mm -hmm. is so amazing. It was like they didn't know what to do. They didn't know which way to go. Yeah. Um, but it was a it was a weird experience. Mm-hmm. But I've always found political rallies to be weird experiences. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the Sanders event, I have to say, the testat the sort of aggro level was the same. Mm-hmm. I, I will say that really? okay. same level of sort of male weird young male energy, <laughs> that yeah. bad energy that's like, oh, you're like 22 and you could like kill me at any moment.
0: <laughs> I think I read somewhere that you said that you kind of relate to a lot of the people at the rallies cause they're kind of like the townies that you knew in Massachusetts, yeah. that same anger. That's absolutely true. I mean, I grew up in Massachusetts
1: in the, you know, late seventies, early eighties. And, and I grew up in a working class home that was a Kennedy Democrat home. And then a Reagan Democrat home that kind of split, you mm-hmm. know, my half, my family sort of went Reagan. The other half, you know, was still liberal. and, uh oh, and where I grew up, and the guys, uh, the guys at the paint shop that my family owned, you know, spending time with them, I uh, definitely grew up around a lot of machismo, a lot of Italian machismo. You know, I mean, I guess, <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, I think that that uh, makes me understand it. I don't think it's almost anger i mean it's rooted in anger but it's also just like sort of disgust and dismissal Mm -hmm. it's like what the hell's going on here you know i'll give you a prime example is it's sort of going like it's a it's a person who thinks it's simple and 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 they're not stupid for thinking it's simple it's sort of being like why is it hard Mm -hmm. right so it's like I'll give you a perfect example with the um, with the immigration thing that was so offensive, right? Which is like, let the good ones in, but not the bad ones. Yeah, that is Easy such to a say, that but... is such a fundamental sort of like someone who's in fear. Mm-hmm. See, again, it's not hate; it's fear. Yeah, they are just afraid, and and in their mind, they're going, "No, I'm afraid for you. I want you to be safe." Their motivation, so they're so confused when someone says. You realize how crazy that is, what you say, <laughs> because to them that's the translation mm-hmm. of their fear and their love. And so, when your fear is, when your love is driven by fear, then um, it's a weird disconnect for you when the things that you express are rejected because you're trying to say I love, right? <laughs> yeah. And then other people are saying I love, right? And their fear maybe is secondary, okay? And 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 so they're saying, hey, you know. Uh, let's over, um, you know, let's uh, uh, like uh, sort of like an example of like liberal overreach, let's say, you know, trying to um, uh, uh, legislate or dictate how people can express themselves or being afraid to offend a certain mm-hmm. party through the expression of a word or a you that also can't. It's, you can tell people not to say things and you can try to get people to not do things. You can't force people not to express themselves that, that you, that it's the same version, but in another way. And, and, and neither of those paths require self-reflection, accountability and uh, responsibility. Mm -hmm. And, but yet both of those other paths try to claim things I just said through their, through their, through their prism. So, or through their filter.
0: Well, I wonder, how do you do Donald Trump? Because what's interesting is, you know, he's a character who's so completely over the top that you would think it's very easy to do an impression of him. But I hear this from a lot of impressionists that he's actually really hard compared to like Reagan or Clinton or Bush who are actually pretty simple to do. So what is your secret to doing a good Trump?
1: Oh, man. I mean, I watch him a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the best way to start from him is the sort of, Uh, apprentice or like early road trump Mm -hmm. i'll do but i'll like lean back a bit (laughs) okay it's sort of a yelling i'm it's a very like (laughs) welcome to the apprentice today we're gonna do this he's like reading off the prompter and like screaming off the prompter it's very in the face squinting and keeping the jaw moving it up (laughs) and down and it's a square like a rectangle square that gets stretched (laughs) but as he got more familiar there's like a there's a sort of almost like um, Stevie Nicks quality to him. <laughs> yeah. He like moves his hips a lot. Yeah. He uh, sways. He sways a lot. <laughs> sort of like a like a yeah. Jewish grandmother at like a bar mitzvah dancing. <laughs> he has a lot of old Jewish grandmother qualities. Yeah. Our our uh, uh, one of our showrunners, Pete Gross, uh, who's also uh, plays Mike Pence on the show. Oh, he's I want to not. I will not claim. I don't want to claim his joke. But he's the one <laughs> who said she's you know he's a Jewish, a Jewish old Jewish woman in disguise. <laughs> and you know he so he has a lot of these sort of um, peculiarities. Um, and then he has sort of you know very. Clear facial things he does. Mm. He does the lower jaw jut. He cocks his head. He also doesn't seem to like to turn his neck a lot. So he turns <laughs> his body. So he's always turning his chest, not his lower yeah. part, just his yeah. chest. Right? Yeah. He's so like he a has Ken all. Doll. Yeah, he has lots of pivots. So it's interesting, he has lots of axes. So there's like axes, like there's this pivot. Then there's like if he holds his arms up to do his Trump sort of ohm thing, which is so bizarre.
0: Because oh, yeah. he does the, okay the inverse sign. of the meditation yeah. thing. Mm-hmm.
1: He puts his fingers, thumb meeting the forefinger and then the three <laughs> fingers up. And then uh, he actually cocks his elbow in towards his torso as if there's a string. So when he speaks, he's like, you need... And he pulls That's it down That's very unnatural. Like that. It's very natural. What I'm doing now? Well, no, or, him doing wait, it. Yeah, it's Well, very it's unnatural, unnatural for you to do it's it too for anyone. It like un- looks very uncomfortable. And then
0: he curls yeah. the
1: hand, circle hand, point, point, <laughs> uh, wide hand, sort of ja- almost fossy jazz hands. <laughs> and uh, then you get to his lean forward mm-hmm. and his bulldog face is sort yeah. of like attempted at a Churchill. His... Um, uh, his el duce, where he sort of brings his the puffed you know, up chest, yeah, he puffed yeah. up chest. Yeah. And so once you get all those components, then you look at like his speaking pattern. So there's the yelling Trump, then there's the grandmotherly Trump, yeah, very quiet. <laughs> I don't understand. What's the problem? Why do they have to come to this country? Why do they do it? There's no reason, and we all and then, and then he does this this thing that like the the like like he has gas. Yeah, he'll like go, like, we all want, you know, we all want them to come in and be safe. And I mean, and I don't want them to be safe. I don't want them to be safe, but I want them to be so safe. And we want so safe. And he's like telling himself, he's like calming himself down. And then yeah. you get inside his mind. And yeah, it's, it is like he's
0: having a conversation with himself. He's always having a conversation with him. He's always talking to himself. I, I think somewhere I heard you describe him as uh, an old dowager living in a run-down yes. mansion. If
1: anyone ever sees. Um, there's a uh, a movie that Gene Wilder directed that was sort of an attempt at a uh, Mel Brooks movie that Gene Wilder made. And What's the name? Dom DeLuise's... Haunted Honeymoon, Haunted right? Haunted Honeymoon. Yeah, I remember that. With Gilda Rad, I saw it in the theater. Oh Yeah, yeah. I did too. Yeah. And uh, yeah. and remember Dom DeLuise's Dowager? Mm-hmm. That's oh, Donald yeah. Trump. Yeah. <laughs> That's sort of, oh, oh. Yeah. So.
0: <laughs> well, it's perhaps a sign of the surreal times that we're living in that earlier this year, I guess there was apparently a public feud that you had with your Trump rival, Alec Baldwin. <laughs> yeah. What was that about? And have you guys made up yet?
1: Uh, oh, I mean, I don't, I don't think we have enough of a personal relationship oh, okay. to make up with each other. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, you know, we worked together on 30 rock, but I was an mm-hmm. extra and, you know, he was the star. Uh, so we uh, encountered each other day to day. I mean, I talked to him a number of times throughout six and a half years of working there and, and, um, improvised, he did monologues at a show that I improvised at once and was very complimentary so, you know, I, I never had a real problem with him or anything, he was, you know a real senior guy at the job I worked yeah. at, I think what happened for me was that um he, on Kimmel was talking about the correspondence dinner and he, um sort of, you know, I think wanted to have a story and a joke, and he thought he could yeah. sort of use a, the story about me as sort of a, go, you know, uh, at midnight had been lobbying me to be a correspondence dinner.
0: Right, to and, do Trump at the yeah, dinner. Yeah. Right. and I think okay. a lot of
1: people on Twitter who, like, I'm not responsible for, mm-hmm. who, you know, write hostile things about who's good and who's bad, whatever. Yeah. I, I, and I also am a person who doesn't pay attention to my Twitter, so I might... I don't know what his presence is on Twitter, but I would like things and retweet things. So I'm not sure if I was always aware of what I was maybe reinforcing. (laughs) And so I think that he got from my only my outside observation is that I think he maybe got his feathers ruffled that Mm -hmm. somehow I was like, coordinating some attack yeah. on him or something but he chose to be on a national network talk show and punch down at somebody who he deemed as he said an internet guy and i thought in terms of our establishment class in in, in the industry and um all the people who work in the industry and all the talented people who are, aren't even on tv or working um i don't think there's a reason to do that and mm. i uh so I thought I would tweet at him and go thanks for the yeah fuck you and he uh <laughs> he he wrote back you're welcome and I thought we were kind of joking around like I yeah. thought it was all fun yeah. and, and it was, he yeah. uh, you Sentire know and granted my partner James who I love I think he got very defensive of me and mm. I think he cast some sort of maybe dispersions that weren't mm. very helpful to the conversation and Alec kind of blocked everybody and whatever <laughs> but you know listen there every, uh, our Trump is very different from their Trump. Yeah. It's just a different thing. And we need all of them out there. We need every yeah. bit of satire that exists out there. Um, so I, uh, and competition is healthy. Mm-hmm. So I enjoy the competition. And listen, I'm not going to say that it isn't really great to be the extra on a television show that the other guy was the star and you're like giving him a run for his money. That's a great <laughs> feeling. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Well, Cause, yeah, because yeah.
0: you've gotten extended. So yeah, we've I, it gotten was supposed extended. to be a summer show, and now it's going into the fall. So congrats yeah. on that. You know, hopefully, make them yeah. do better work as well. Um, I know Comedy Central bought a billboard ad uh, for the President Show Cliff somewhere Mar-a-Lago? in Florida. Yeah, about three miles from Marlago. <laughs> yeah. Were you hoping to get his attention and maybe even get him to watch? And uh, has has he? I he I, has? I can't confirm that he's watched. I can okay. say
1: that uh, our show has been two weeks consistently, about two weeks. Ahead of him, uh, so you know he he had that orb thing with the yeah. s- the Saudis. Well, we had an orb, a flesh orb that he put his hands around on our show. Um, we our catchphrase is "I'm the president." Can you believe it? And he said, "I'm the president." Can you believe it? Two weeks later in the Rose Garden, um, we. Oh, there's so many. I mean, we aired the mob thing. We did oh, a mob piece, and then Scaramucci yeah. was hired the next day. Yeah. Um and I love Behar. who you have
0: playing Scaramucci now. Yeah, we Mario have uh, Cantone. the incredible I can't Mario. can imagine better casting.
1: Mario Cantone. And let me tell you, I sound like Trump right now, but I'm going to sound like Trump. Let me tell <laughs> you. Believe me. Believe me. I can't do Believe me. Uh Mario Cantone's performance of that was an, Im- yeah. an incredible study and it isn't has nothing to do with him having some of the features <laughs> of the, the 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 Mooch. It was yeah. his performance. We Mario is an old family friend of ours and oh, like really? and my mother taught him dance at Emerson <laughs> College. He was in West Side Story and I think we actually have because we're both Italian, we have like way way distant cousins who we think might have been involved like in whacking one or the other so like we have like this history and like i but i i want to i just want to say like he Everything you know, the internet really wanted him, and Mm -hmm. we questioned it The you know, there was a a little bit of question like, "Do you answer the internet's request?" You know, and it was. But I know how so talented he is, and he did such an incredible job, and will continue to do a great job on the show. And that's the best thing about our show is I say we're the antithesis of the Trump administration. (laughs) We're this inclusive, artistic place. Yeah, you really are fun work.
0: And before we wrap yes. up, I mean, real quickly, I just want to maybe ask Donald Trump a few questions Absolutely, if I may. I'll, sure. Don't worry. I'll be very fair. Fire away. <laughs> you won't be <laughs> okay. fair. You're fake media. All
1: right. Kick fake ass news. <laughs> That's what I call you, fake ass news.
0: Okay. Mr. President, you finally met face to face with Russian President Vladimir Putin at the G20 conference. What was your impression of him? And what did the two of you talk about in private?
1: We were at the dinner and he was sitting next to Melania And, you know, the state dinner, they go for a long time. And I was next (laughs) to the Japanese guy. He didn't say a word. So I said, I want to talk to Putin. I got to get up." Plus, he had, he got this dessert that they ran out of. And I wanted, it was a tiramisu. So I wanted the tiramisu. And I knew if I got over there, I could sneak a bite. So I went over (laughs) and I said, Vlad, can I just, I want a little bit of the tiramisu and then I'll be on my way. But then we started talking and he said, listen to me. You need to make the Russia thing go away. You need to drop it because you know, and I know that you owned illegal poker rooms in the 1990s (laughs) and Russian investors were in it and you laundered billions of dollars from a failing Soviet economy. while Boris Yeltsin was drinking himself into oblivion. (laughs) I said, just give me more ice cream, more tiramisu. I'll do whatever you want. And he gave me a doggy bag of dessert. And I said, that's it. I'll do whatever you want. (laughs) And I let him sleep with Melania.
0: (laughs) Well, speaking of Melania, tell us about your marriage, Mr. President. Are the two of you happy?
1: I love Melania so much, but she's five years past her expiration date. (laughs) Usually I've divorced somebody by now. I love her most when she's over in New York and I can be alone in the Oval and I can go to the Oval. I can sit anywhere I want naked. And because she always says, she goes, "Donald, Donald, you leave a weird stain on the sofa when you sit there naked. It's like an oily God. leakage stain. I don't know what it is, but the point being, I love her so much she's i love let me tell you, I love Melania so much she's like the daughter I never had
0: <laughs> well tell me what what's the best part about being president, Mr. Trump? There's
1: two red buttons on the desk, one for Coke and one for the nuclear <laughs> war." And every day, the most fun is pushing one of them and just wondering which one's it going to be. <laughs>
0: well, have you given much thought to what you'll do if he loses in twenty twenty? I'm talking to Anthony yeah, now okay, okay. before we go. <laughs> uh,
1: I mean, that's far off. Uh, I mean, I'll probably write another write another show and and move in another direction. <laughs> Good that would stuff. be. I, I think once he goes, I. Once the real one goes, my fake one goes too.
0: All right. Well, let's keep our fingers crossed. Yes, let's. (laughs) The President Show airs Thursday nights at 1130 Eastern on Comedy Central. Anthony Atamanik, Mr. President, thanks for sitting down with me.
1: Tremendous. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks, man.
0: Thanks for listening to this 200th episode of Kick-Ass News. And thanks to my special guest, Anthony Atamanik, for joining me on the podcast. The President Show airs Thursdays at 11.30 Eastern on Comedy Central. For more information, including full episodes, behind-the-scenes extras, and bonus content, visit ComedyCentral.com. And follow Anthony Atamanik on Twitter at at Tony Atamanik, that's spelled A-T-A-M-A-N-U-I-K. Be sure to subscribe to Kickass News on iTunes and leave us a review while you're there. Don't forget to take our listener survey. It only takes 5 minutes at podsurvey.com/kick. You can visit Kickass News on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at, at @kickassnewspod and be sure to recommend Kickass News to your friends on your social media. And if you really want to help out, then donate to our GoFundMe campaign at gofundme.com slash kickassnews or click on the donate button at kickassnews.com. As always, I welcome your comments, questions, and suggestions at comments at kickassnews.com. For now though, I'm Ben Mathis and thanks for listening to Kickass News. Podcast News is a trademark of Mathis Entertainment, Inc.